Welcome to The Honest Report, a weekly podcast analyzing media coverage of the Arab-Israeli conflict, anti-Semitism, and radical Islamic terrorism. The condemnation of Kanye West is reaching fever pitch, intensifying after he was banned from Twitter for this anti-Semitic tweet. DEFCON 3 on Jewish people. Now one of the biggest names in sports facing backlash for spreading anti-Semitism, NBA star Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets, shared a link last week on social media to a 2018 film that's been described as anti-Semitic. Here's your host, Rob Walker. The end of June marks the start of summer, as well as the end of the academic year for high school students across Canada. Many of these high school graduates will then pursue education in college or university while others will enter the workforce. But regardless of whether they'll be heading to higher education or into the workforce, what will these graduates know about Israel and the Jewish people? Will they leave high school informed or ignorant, tolerant or intolerant? And with social media usage, which sometimes features anti-Israel disinformation, nearly ubiquitous in this age bracket, are 14 to 17 year olds more or less susceptible to anti-Semitism? To help shine light on this current trend and how educators can best be used to set the record straight among high school students, we are joined this week by two high school educators in Southern Ontario, Cindy Tobias and Jennifer Feldman, both of whom are active leaders in helping to bring Israel and Jewish education to students and their peers in the teaching profession. Welcome to the Honest Report Podcast. Jen and Cindy, welcome to the Honest Report Podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having us. Uh, the academic year is coming to a close soon. Um, this is a question really for both of us, but tell us a little bit about how you first perceived and saw a need to start educating your students about Israel and, you know, really separating fact from fiction. This is not actually, of course, in your core job descriptions, and you've expanded upon that, but why did you see the need to do that? So we've seen in the last few years, um, you know, in the world, the increase of anti-Semitism, Jew hatred, and what we've seen in the last number of years in schools is the incidence of anti-Semitism in schools within the student body and the teachers is increasing at an alarming rate. Um, Most of us already know this. So when we look around at our school, we happen to be in a school that is a highly populated Jewish community. And the anti-Semitic incidents are happening here as well. And we thought to ourselves, why is this happening? What is going on? Um, we, We hear individually from different students about the experiences that they have. And we realize there's a lack of knowledge. There's a lack of knowledge for the Jewish community and the non-Jewish community on what it means to be a Jew, but also very specifically a lack of knowledge about what is going on on the ground, real facts when it comes to Israel. And um, that's really what our prime focus is and uh, our goal to work towards. Yeah, I would just say um, in, in specific conversations over the years, you know, when you come in September and everybody's talking about what they did over the summer, And um, I would mention that my family and I went to Israel. We had a great time. And you started, you know, over the past few years, we started to see the facial expressions changed on people's face. And um, you you sort of got the idea that people were uncomfortable with the fact that I would even go there in the first place. And um, you you start to realize that there's a, there's a problem that people think if you go to Israel you're doing something wrong, and because of that we saw that there is a huge need for educators and students alike to learn that what is going on in that region of the world is very nuanced, 
and certainly not so black and white the way that people's interpretation of the media and what is going on. So things, of course, have changed as far as people's access to information. Um, you know, now, of course, it's, it's Instagram and it's TikTok. And 10 years ago, maybe predominantly Facebook and even before social media. Um, you know, both of you have been teaching sort of over the last few years. How have or have you noticed a difference in terms of people's students' attitudes, students' opinions, the misconceptions perhaps they have about Israel? Um, has that shifted at all with some of these changing ways that they're getting their information? Yeah, I think I think we see definitely that students uh, with the access to social media and the number of posts that they're following every single day that have to do with Israel, because Israel is front and center in the media, when, especially when there's something going on in the region. Um, there's all that misinformation out there, and it's definitely influencing the kids in what they're thinking, what they think they know about Israel, um, the history of the of the country and the people. And what we're finding with the Jewish students as well is they don't even know how to respond when they have to interact with this on social media, when friends are posting things that make them uncomfortable, um, which leads to them feeling like they have to hide who they are. Um, and, and we've also seen, you know, there's this lack of knowing how to respond. And then there's, because they don't know how to respond appropriately, sometimes they're responding in anger and they're even getting themselves into more trouble um, because it's it's not coming across in the right way and they're not teaching the lesson the way I think or, or dialoguing the way that it it hopefully should be. Yeah, you we we have found that students show up um, and they'll they'll approach Jen or I with um, conversations they've had on social media or things that people have said and they're quite uncomfortable and nervous to leave this community because it does have a high Jewish population and face the world and what that might look like. And I think social media is sort of their first interaction with what that might look like. And it's, it's intimidating for them. They're comfortable. They're comfortable here because they've never really been afraid to self-identify in this neighborhood. But once, once they leave, they certainly are. And students that don't live in this neighborhood and maybe one or two Jewish students in, in a school with a completely different population, many of them will tell you, including teachers that I've had conversations with, that they absolutely will not tell anyone that they are Jewish and they're hiding who they are out of fear. And so, again, a question for both of you. Are, are these the challenges that these students are seeing, are they taking place predominantly in the classroom you know you mentioned cindy you know that uh, you know when you when you tell your students they came you came back from israel in the summer uh you're noticing a bit of uh, sort of funny looks that the students are giving you but the students themselves is it manifesting more in the classroom as far as arguments and debates or is it almost social media and leading to bullying or or, or are they totally interconnected so i think what we're seeing definitely on social media it's not specifically happening in the classroom, but it's happening all the time. Um, what we are seeing in the classroom could be from the teachers and sometimes from the students, depending on what the topic of conversation is in the lesson that day. And it's definitely coming up in different types of classrooms, not just the politics classes and the history classes, but in all classrooms. Yeah, I, I mean, I could give you an example. You know, if you're in a grade 11, um, English class where there's a, a huge focus on First Nations and Indigenous in Canada, it could easily come up that, you know, maybe a student in the class would say, 
Israel is another example of this type of system. And um, if you're the only Jew in the class, you're certainly going to feel uncomfortable, especially if you don't know how to respond to that. And even if you did know how to respond to that, if you're one or two Jews in that classroom, you may just find it easier as a 16-year-old kid not to say anything and keep silent. I've had students um, just moving past high school in university email me about experience, really negative experiences they've had in classrooms where that specific topic has come up, the topic of colonization, oppression, oppressors, um, and where professors are, are really one-sided and lacking information and students just feeling very uncomfortable to share their opinion or side. They worry that their marks will be impacted and that they will be centered out in the class. So a lot of the time students are keeping silent, unfortunately. Yeah. We are finding an increase in this in the classroom because of the conversations that are happening in general in the country um, when, when it comes to, in the province specifically, when it comes to um, indigeneity, uh, you know, those conversations are happening often. And so we see the topic of Israel coming up more often than we had even five years ago. And, and, and you're not just really obviously uh, in terms of identifying and, and, and noticing these challenges. You've been quite involved in recent years helping to set the record straight and be a little more proactive trying to educate students. Um, tell us a little bit about that, what, uh, what you've been doing. So we are in a very unique situation where our school actually has a Jewish history course where, you know, you go back into ancient Jewish civilization all the way to the creation of the modern state of Israel. And so there are Jews and non-Jews that take this class. So I think that that offers a beautiful opportunity for them to learn. And on top of that, we take advantage of Jewish Heritage Month, Holocaust Education Week, where we uh, educate, we bring, in, we bring in sources from outside to educate everybody in the building, teachers, administration, students, about who the Jewish people are, what they stand for, who they have been throughout history, and what has happened to them over history. And I think, and I've seen personally, that this has changed teachers' minds about the situation in Israel, and it's opened up new dialogue where they have more questions rather than just making conclusions without information. So I think it's been an excellent advantage that our administration is very supportive of this type of education, and I'm seeing the results. Now, uh, Jen, you mentioned, of course, that indigeneity is a topic that's being discussed a great deal more um, in, in Ontario and in Canada more broadly. Where then does education about the Jewish indigenous connection to Israel play into this? It's not playing in, you know, coming from the learning in the classroom, um, but it's definitely coming up as a topic when students are discussing it and teachers are discussing it. And so what we're seeing is that the lack of knowledge about Jewish indigeneity um, to Israel and the lack of knowledge about Israel's history um, and, and the situation there is creating this like gaping hole when a teacher is you know having discussions about indigeneity and doesn't know how to respond to student questions or students that as cindy said before feel like they can't self-identify because the conversation is going in in a direction that is making them uncomfortable um and so you know what we're what we've learned over the last few years is that it's really that the education needs to be more formalized 
about about Israel and about Jewish indigeneity. And not only that, that for the teachers, they need to also have that education in order to know how to respond, how to dialogue, and um, and really how to how to handle that situation in a classroom. So, and tell us about. I mean, you obviously you're in a in a heavily Jewish school with a large Jewish population in a in a neighborhood in a town in a city uh, with a significant Jewish population. What's the solution? Or what's the method then in in communities across the country, as you said, in in places like uh, Kamloops and in Timmins and Fredericton, where there are you know perhaps smaller Jewish communities that don't have the same resources? How can educators? Jewish or not, uh, seek to sort of tap into some of the successes that you've had and say, okay, I want to teach about the Jewish connection to the land of Israel within a, a framework that people can understand and people are talking about today, right? you know, namely indigeneity, etc. I think um, it's, it's not too difficult to do in this time, you know, that we're in. We're very lucky that, um, you know, grateful that the topic of indigeneity is is mandatory when it comes to the First Peoples of Canada. And so it's a perfect way to bring in the topic of Israel and other people who are Indigenous to other lands. Um, and I think the answer is to bring in Jewish organizations, experts in the field, outside information into the classroom in the form of guest speakers, in the form of exhibits, in the form of field trips. Um, because what we're seeing is that it's the not knowing that's, you know, fueling the negative narrative about Israel. But once there's knowledge, the the barrier breaks and the dialogue starts. Mm -hmm. And we see that with our colleagues. Over the last 20 years of teaching, there has been a huge shift in the, the, the colleagues that approach us and, and ask us questions. And it's not combative and it's not with negative intention and it's just to learn. And so we see there's a lot of opportunity, right? I think the success is that if teachers feel comfortable to approach us or to approach anyone who has information and ask questions, you've just opened up unbelievable opportunity to clarify some of the myths and some of the misconceptions that are out there. And what do you think are the biggest threats then to students, um, more broadly Jewish students specifically, or more broadly non-Jewish students, Defining out really the truth about um, Israel as distinct from a lot of the media disinformation. Is it hearing disinformation in the classroom? Is it watching, you know, propaganda inadvertently on social media? Or is it just the total absence of knowing, uh, of having any context of understanding what's black and white and up and down? I think, I think social media has unfortunately done an incredible job, especially with young students. You have the BDS movement, which is basically, you know, a modern day propaganda campaign against the Jewish state and against the Jewish people. And I think they've been very successful at targeting Jewish people on university campuses. There's a ton of misinformation, although you are starting to see counter movements of Jews, you know, setting up their own sort of tables to clarify some of the myths and lies that are being sent out by the BDS in, in pamphlets and in all kinds of propaganda. And I think Jews also need to educate themselves about Jewish history so that if they are the only Jew in the classroom, they feel confident and, and comfortable to respond to some of these accusations against not only the Jewish state, but the Jewish people. Yeah, I, I would say, Rob, that all three are playing factors in the students. Um, if I go back five to 10 years, 
it was definitely more coming from outside sources. Whereas today, we're starting to see, see it seeping into the classroom the way that we've seen it in the university um, classrooms over the last decade or so. And so we have the influence from social media on the students, but we also have the influence of social media on the teachers. And so we're, we're, it's a very slippery slope of what gets seeped in in the conversations in the classrooms. Well, listen, I really appreciate both of your efforts, not just your time today, but your efforts really in helping to uh, set the record straight with uh, so many members of the next uh, next generation. Uh, so thank you very much and uh, uh, much uh, success with your efforts moving forward. Thank you so much for having us, Rob. Thanks, Rob. This is great. And that's today's edition of the Honest Report podcast. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our mailing list, our podcast channel, and follow us on social media for the most up-to-date news. If you like what you've heard, please consider a donation to support our continued efforts at www.honestreporting.ca slash donate. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.